Hi guys, thanks for tuning in once again. Shout out to all our listeners who have stayed true um, on the show. Today is another podcast day. Remember, it's a show where we bring you fresh and exciting content. It's real, it's raw, and it's the truth. Welcome to this week's edition of the Truth Podcast. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome once again to the Truth Podcast. I remain your girl, Blessing, here in the house where we keep it real. Yeah, we're here to give you real, raw, and content that is actually the truth. Last week, we had an awesome time. We had a wonderful guest in the house, and it was just amazing getting to know what prison inmates are going through and how we can also give a voice in, well, whatever way we can. We hope you guys enjoyed last week's episode. I'm looking forward to more exciting and informative content this week. Okay, last week we had an amazing guest in the house and he did justice to the topic, talking about prison reforms behind the bars, what goes on behind the scenes. Now, this week we're also talking about something very, very serious. Um, as we all know, the Companies and Allied Matters Act 2020 is now passed into law, let me put it that way. We don't actually have a hard copy of that um, act yet. It's yet to be gazetted, but of course, many people can get their hands on the soft copy and there's so many comments going on about the act from religious bodies to companies, you know, the sides that are pro the act and some people that are again some sections in the act and we're going to be looking through systematically or diving into some sections that seem well offensive let me put it that way to some religious bodies and ngos and the likes now to put us through this topic is i would like to call him a friend to the house honestly we've we've learned so much from him especially behind the scenes and even now you guys also have an opportunity to hear or to tap into his wealth of knowledge. He was with us last week and this week he's here to talk about our topic today being the truth behind the acts. What act are we talking about? Kama. Let's welcome Mr. Chidi Judimba. He's the founder of Legal Access Foundation International Drum Rolls. You're welcome, sir. Can we hear from you? Uh, good evening so much. I appreciate this occasion and thank you for the invite. Just like you said, it's a pleasure being here and what we have behind the scene. I, I, I enjoy the atmosphere, the friendliness, the hospitality too. So we have an issue that we have to trash today and it's yeah. good for people to get to know the truth behind the camera. I'm ready, if you're ready. I'm so, so ready. Let's dive in. Now, guys, we know that um, the act is out there. Like I said, it hasn't been gazetted yet, but people have their hands on it. It was passed into law just a couple of weeks ago, August 7th, precisely. It was passed into law. And then, well, too many, like I said, so many people love the act, especially when it comes to the sections that have to do with companies, you know, and small businesses that are try trying to thrive. You know, now you can open a company with just you, a sole, just you. You don't need two members to actually open a limited liability company. You know, you don't need a secretary. You don't need to have an AGM. Well, not physically, it could be virtual. So there's so many um, sections 
Sec that's section 18, um, subsection 2. So many sections that are really, really appealing to those that are into business or the business sector, which of course the act is mainly for. But that's not what we'll be looking at today. But we must also commend the work that legislation uh, churches have been doing to see that this instrument, after 30 years, has been repealed and looked into. So we must actually applaud that particular act but our concern this evening is particularly on section 839 um also a little look at section 842 that talks about um the removal of trustees you know or and the addition of trustees let me put it that way from external bodies being the corporate affairs commission a registrar and all the all those other provisions there uh, there's been so much uproars from the church for can you know ngos coming up and saying no we didn't know about this they just hit slip this in and um we just felt we should talk about it. So, Mr. Chidi, you're here to do justice to this topic. He's from an NGO. He's the founder of Legal Access Foundation International, like I said before. And we're diving in. So, I've got a question for you, which um, has been, you know, bugging me a bit. Now, everybody, there's this uproar. Everybody's like, okay, why this clause? Why this clause? We'll look into the clause, actually. We'll read it out. But how come this is coming now? This was first a bill before it became a law. And of course, there was a public hearing, I would like to believe. So people say, okay, when it comes, when it's a public hearing, they, they, they make invitations. It's supposed to have been an invitation to someone from Cannes, NGOs, people from the oil sector, various sectors, since it's a company, and Allies Matters Act. To actually deliberate, there should have been some exposure to the general public. Now, was it actually an exposure to the general public before this became law? Well, it's a good question you've asked. Um, ordinarily, before a, a bill becomes a law, people are invited, you know, so stakeholders are invited to give their opinions about the contents of the bill before it is passed into law. And if there are criticisms, those areas of concern are also checked. But I have a question, I have my doubts. How those draconian and wicked and evil and... I don't know those those sections of the karma, you know, how they got into this act and was signed into law without any public hearing. Whenever that public hearing happened, I don't know about it. Okay, so and you're not aware you cannot categorically say for a fact that there was no public hearing. It was smuggled in. Okay, it was smuggled in. That is my stance. They were smuggled in. Not like there was a public hearing. There was no public it. hearing. Nobody can okay. say, okay. We had a deliberation, a discussion on this. How did they come about? So if there was any deliberation and it was a public hearing, because earlier on, they have attempted this to bring in a bill to control NGOs, to control those associations under Part C of the Kammer. And there was a public outcry. So the outcry was so much that they had to suspend that talk. Okay, when was it? That was... Um this recently, of course, last year. Yes. Okay. Yes. So they, they, they had to suspend that, and all of a sudden, we're having a signature on a bill, now an act, and we are now finding to say, how did this get in here? Yes, I appreciate the sense in which the government, you know, wanted to encourage the ease of doing business. Of course. But in the ease of doing business, I, I like the government's policy on that. So what then? is the provision that says that the CAC can now remove a trustee 
of an association. Let me uh, quickly read that. That section um, A39, subsection 1 says, the commission may by order suspend the trustees of an association and appoint an interim manager or managers to manage the affairs of an association where it reasonably believes that, number one, there is or has been any misconduct or mismanagement in the administration of the association. Now, it, it said it believes that. On what grounds? Now, my, 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 my question is, when the law, the act says reasonably believes, yes, so, what is the parameter? Yeah, because I know that in law, you cannot, based on assumption or suspicion, exactly bring about any form of conviction. So, on what parameters like you've said you know i was just looking through that now the my, my my thinking is whatever gave rise to this construction is just to let you that know that somebody drafted this thing who doesn't want to be questioned this sounds dictatorial even the courts cannot before a judge will say okay i have i had the reasonable belief there will be certain factors to consider so somebody has now drafted this to say once they reasonably believe so a man becomes the accuser by this act he becomes the accuser he becomes the prosecutor and then he is the judge and then he's the executioner of the same thing no for anybody to be able to get into the organizational structure of an association you can't even remove a trustee only the members of the association can remove a trustee not the cac because we have our own right to freedom of association so allowing the cac to do this means we are interfering with our fundamental rights to freedom of association we don't want you that is my stand wow that's interesting that's coming from um mr chidi judimba he's a seasoned lawyer 10 years at the bar and of course the founder of legal access foundation international speaking authoritatively there that is freedom of association so you cannot determine who we allow as trustees and you cannot just intrude on affairs of ngos or churches or religious bodies based on a belief you know that's what he's um categorically um spelling out and of course the um president of khan the person of Saladiji has said that the if the federal government has insisted on keeping this legislation, it would be said to say that it is declaring war on Christianity and has an agenda to destroy the church. That is a very, very strong um, um, argument or word, let me put it that way. Do you feel that same way too? Because yes. you're in charge, do you feel that you have an agenda to not just, okay, let me put it, okay, church now, and of course, um, non-governmental organizations, do you strongly feel that there's some other hidden agenda saying that, okay, fine, in case there's any form, they also talked about fraud, in case they believe that there's anything fraudulent going on in the association, they, they can, for that reason, suspend some members. And of course, there's a petition amongst one-fifth of the members of that association, they have every right to bring in a trustee. Do you think that clause, is there any clause amongst those clauses that you feel is appropriate? Like now, there's a petition amongst one-fifth of your members, one-fifth, and then they say, okay, fine, they can put up a petition and then the CAC can come in and, you know, intervene. Do you think that is wrong? You know, it's funny enough they didn't say two-thirds. I know when they normally vote, they say two-thirds, two-thirds. But I saw one-fifth, which means that it's easy for them to sort of come in once one-fifth of the members there decide, okay, there's a problem. 
were petitioned based on some particular grounds, do you feel they can come in? Is there any part of those clauses that you feel is reasonable? Well, for me, there is no part of those sections that I think is reasonable. Now, nobody is a law unto himself. There's a procedure. If you have any claim, particularly when it has to do with fraud, that's criminal. The court is there, not for any man or anybody to constitute themselves as the law or the court. So if the members of an association think somebody had done something that goes against the, the, the constitution of that association, there's a procedure. And even when you report to the CAC, it's not for the CAC to say, okay, based on this allegation, no, by virtue of section 36, subsection 1, if you have a grievance against me, you must give me the right to fair hearing. You cannot just dismiss me. This thing is a breach of our fundamental human rights. This is what we're talking about. That even when you have to suspend somebody or you have to remove somebody, there must be a procedure. You must hear that person out. But under this regime, by this karma 2020, so several aspects of our fundamental rights are being breached and people are keeping quiet. That is why we are talking and saying, no, this is wrong. And we are already, some people are challenging it in court. Even today, there's a court case already on this. So we, we can't keep quiet to see such laws be enforced. This is against our constitutional rights. Thank you so much. Well, it's good to know that, yes, there people are taking it up, even in court um, and all that. Yes. The National Assembly, they have said that yes, even though the bill has been passed to law, you can come out and you can see how they can still um, look at some sections and amend. There's always room for amendment. The NIC National Industrial Code was amended. It came into, after the 1999 constitution, it was brought in. So it's possible that this section can be amended and it will just be brought in. But it's just amazing that, okay, where were the stakeholders when all of this um um, came up. Now, Kana said that during the first term of the president that there was actually a public hearing conducted by the National Assembly on the non-governmental organizations bill tagged bill for an act to provide the establishment of the non-governmental organizations regulatory commission for the supervision, coordination and monitoring of non-governmental organizations, which was attended by Khan and many NGOs. And of course, they rejected this particular bill and so it was like a shocker to them to see that this was now put into can uh, i mean to come to the kama and then it now became a law it has become a law which we hope that with all the stakeholders coming together they can still see how some amendment can take place this is democracy and we hope that um our leaders over there will be open to discussions now um many people have also said that when it comes to NGOs now and the grants that they get, it also bothers on international bodies when these grants are not properly used. I can't imagine the, not the millions that um, Bill Gates has given when it comes to polio and the organizations that, are, that, that were mandated or the onus was upon them to actually manage these funds and how far it has gone to the grassroots. I learned that some funds were given to IDPs that actually never got to them. So now these are things that actually bug the mind of so many people because it tells on us on an international front. Do you feel that on those grounds is important or is about time that bodies begin to look into their affairs, especially when it comes to funding 
of NGOs because they are actually operating in Nigeria and our names, the name of the country is at stake. We as Nigerians, our, you know, many things are at stake as Nigerians, as a people, as taxpayers even, our, when we're out there doing business, all of this tells on us back home. So do you feel that on the grounds of mismanagement of funds, it's important that some other body looks into the management? I, I appreciate uh, this question and why I also want to say if I understood your questions to rephrase this, should NGOs, you know, who we've seen situations where people may receive grants for jobs they do not actually execute. So now there should be a supervising authority. On this grant, I appreciate. I appreciate that fact that um, people should, NGOs should use the grants, the monies they receive you know, for those projects that they put forth, not some people receiving grants for for the benefit of the trustees. No. When you receive money, my thinking is, use the money you've received for the project that you outlined so that to benefit the people. So underground, I agree that this is okay. But not to go into their management and take over the management of the associations. So then what would you advise? Because then how would they know? These monies come through the management and it's the same management that manages the money. And then the reports that they get, or we've been sort of blacklisted on so many fronts, especially when it comes to money and how we handle money. So then how, if it's the same people that mismanage the funds that the monies actually come to? Don't you think that it bothers? It now means that for some reason, some external body, body can now look into the management or, or how these monies are being disbursed and actually looked because of how it tells us as a nation internationally and even locally. I'm very much interested in the perception of outsiders about Nigeria and Nigerians. And that's why personally I do everything I can to promote the image of this country. And as a trustee as well, I try to represent the objectives and the vision for which my foundation stands for. Um, I, I agree that there should be some kind of control. There are laws in Nigeria already in place. You know, we have like the uh, Terrorism Act. We have also the Money Laundering Act. These, these are laws that help to be ensure that monies received are not misappropriated. Monies received can be accounted for properly. It's okay. It's in order. You know, but my contention is if an outsider, I know I, I, I know countries like or territories like the, the UK, you have this kind of managers who will come in and temporarily oversee the management of the association. But the risk factor in Nigeria as it stands, my contention is we don't have that level playing ground where we can say we can have freedom of speech, we can have fair hearing. We have seen severally, you know, in the last few years that somebody can be the accuser, somebody is the judge, somebody is the prosecutor, somebody is the executioner. So we're saying that the 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 the, the, the atmosphere it's is not very yet suitable for us to have people who can come in and at will based on their sentiment remove trustees. We don't have that yet. But as per control, as per accounting, trustees account to their members. 
trustees account to their members, members of the association. Members of the association can as well remove a trustee because trustees have their positions for life. Their positions in any association is for life. You can't remove them until they breach certain factors, certain things. So members can remove them, but not for an outsider to come in and at will remove a trustee. If you if the, if there's an allegation of fraud, then the courts are there. Any dishonest person cannot be a trustee. Any person find liable of a criminal offense cannot be a trustee. If you were a trustee, you lost your rights, you lost your position. So we are saying that there should be a proper hearing on these sections of the Kama 2020. So that we can as well support the government's fight or whatever is their intention in putting these sessions in the Kama. We're interested, we want to give our own, uh, uh, play our own part to see for the progress of this nation. Thank you very much. Um, that was, it's good to see that there's <laughs> that soft spot to see that things actually thrive forward, which is the, the whole idea is I believe NGOs are established for the betterment of societies, even religious bodies, for the mental and spiritual health of um, the people. Now, so the, the issue now, which you also brought up was the interim managers. Why is it that they would bring people that probably like look at the church setup, they're probably not Christians, the registrar of TAC, you know, a member from their Ministry of Trade, you know, the members as if the same people that are convict, convicted are the same people judging you. You know, I didn't hear that maybe they'll be a member or the president of Cannes will be part of that uh, association or the trustees that will be brought in or the interim managers that will be brought in. So it's important that it's properly spelled out in a way that it doesn't look biased as if it's a government that comes totally to actually take over but they are actually bodies that are associated to that company or to the organization that will actually bring more help basically so i i, I get that so the, the other issue is who they bring in the inter who are these interim managers that are coming would they actually be coming to help or would they be coming to pollute the system altogether and bring in um something different or new that may not actually be beneficial in the long run. Now on to religious bodies, I know we've been talking about NGOs a lot. Now, um, some people are actually excited because you see that some religious bodies have companies, they have schools, they have businesses, printing presses, so many other things that is not directly under the church body. I, like first, I want to know whether these companies that these religious organizations have run separately like under the act, like prior to now, under the act properly as a company and not under, hiding under the church body and so they don't pay tax. So I want to know if there's a distinction normally between the assets or the businesses that churches have and the church itself as a body. Firstly. Yes, there are distinctions. Uh, the churches are established, they are non-governmental organizations and they are non-for-profit organizations. So if any other entity is doing business and is generating income, then certainly that's not a non-for-profit organization. So different rules will apply to both of them. Then now what's the issue? Because I know that really, when it comes to this interim management, is there anything that the act provides when it comes to religious bodies or is the same thing all through? Can they bring a Muslim to be the part of those that will manage the church in the case of any um, reason, for any reasonable belief that they may feel they should come in? Is there any provision on who comes in, especially when it comes to religious 
body. Because many people are saying, that, look, you guys didn't help us establish our church. These things were established on our own, you know? It was established on our own. It has nothing to do with taxpayers' monies. Why should trustees be brought from outside in case of anything? What's your take on that? On that? Again, I believe this is an intrusion on Section 38, which governs uh, the right to uh, religion, right to conscience. So if the Act had not told us how they are going to bring in these interim managers, particularly for churches. Yeah. So are you going to bring in a Muslim? Are you going to bring in uh, a, a, a Juju worshipper? Who are you going to bring in? There's nothing, there's no clarity. So that's that's the, another problem with this. There's no clarity. Who are you bringing? Somebody just uses his discretion. So that's why we're saying, no, I may not want to fellowship with you, pray together with you. It's my choice. So I want to know if you want to remove a trustee, maybe my, the trustee is my pastor. I want to bring in a new pastor. I may not want to fellowship with the person. That's an intrusion on my rights. To freedom of association, to freedom of worship. This thing is, like I said earlier, it's against my fundamental rights, just as it is with many other people. Wow, it has really been awesome. I wish you could continue, but honestly, this is nearly like inexhaustive and the talk is ongoing on twitter on instagram facebook the talk is ongoing you know so you guys can just tune in give your contributions follow us on social media to drop your comments on this particular issue the truth behind the act karma it's been a wonderful time and in the house we've had mr chidi jude dimba the founder of legal access foundation international it's been wonderful having you in the house. I hope you had a great time too. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to be here. So Mr. Dingba, do you have any last words you'd like to tell our listeners out there? Well, I know the Kama 2020, um, I've made searches to get a hard copy. I've not been able to get. But I want people to be informed. Protect your rights. That's my final word. Wow, that was very strong. Protect your rights. Yes, it hasn't been gazetted yet, but you can find the copy online. Thank you so much. For all of you guys starting up small businesses, trust me, this act is in your favor. So if you have been, you know, thinking about how to start, just go grab this act, read through the provisions, and don't be scared anymore. Go out there, go to CAC, see how you can start up your small business and how you can thrive. Trust me, the act will do you some good. And for all of you guys, all of our religious bodies and NGOs, we love what you guys are doing. We love that the National Assembly, they're saying, come on out, we're ready to listen to you guys. There can always be an amendment. Let's just hope that there is some light at the end of this tunnel. Thank you guys for joining us. Once again, I'm Blessing Warren. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you for listening to the Truth Podcast.